Thank you for tuning in and welcome to another epic edition of the Jerry Jones Show. Hosted by Jerry Jones, along with his sidekick, Kevin Anderson. Each and every episode is guaranteed to increase your profits and decrease your stress in dentistry. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. This is Jerry Jones with Jerry Jones Direct. And today, uh, for this month's audio program, I've got a phenomenal, fantastic, super smart uh, guest, uh, Dr. Tom Larkin. And Dr. Larkin is uh, a native of Omaha, Nebraska, and graduated from Creighton uh, University School of Dentistry. Um, and uh, he's got a very, very interesting and fun and exciting story as background. But um, Dr. Larkin's been out of private practice and, and working on business um, for the last uh, uh, dozen years or so, and we'll get more into that. Um, but uh, I recently ran into him um, and re-met him after about a 20-year uh, absence of communication um, at an event uh, down in San Antonio, Texas, that I'll let Dr. Larkin talk about, because um, it's kind of in, his, in, in the area where he's working these days and his passion. We've got a lot of stuff we're going to cover today. Um, we're going to talk about uh, growing practices. Uh, we're going to talk about the business mind that's required to grow practices. We're going to talk about what's called the bail donin method. Um, we're going to get into some really cool stuff. So, uh, Tom, you're with me, and, and are you now? Are you uh, out? You're in Kentucky today, I'm assuming. Lexington, Kentucky, is where I live. Yeah. And are, are you at the horse ranch? I am. I'm looking out the window right now. It's actually uh, the races. We have a, a three-week race meet before the Kentucky Derby, where the races are in Lexington, and it's actually supposed to snow. Friday and the Saturday, which is the first day of the races, which is pretty incredible because all the flowers are out. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, yeah and, and literally tomorrow we've got an 83 degree 83 degree day coming. Wow. Um, today is supposed to be 80. I mean, and we're doing this the first week of March, so we got some crazy weather going on for sure. Very much so. The extremes are they just seem to be getting wilder all the time for sure. Yeah, they really do. They really do. Yeah. So you're probably looking at a horse that that's worth more than you and I put together. No question. Um, I kind of told you that, that I live. I, I have an acre on the that overlooks the most premier horse farm in the world, and all these horses are just priceless. And so it's it's a great. I don't have to feed them. I just look at them. That's, that's the best that's horse thing. ownership uh, business lesson there is. Look at them, Absolutely. and then you know don't have to own them, but you get to enjoy Absolutely. the the beauty. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, Tom, before we get started, um, why don't you share a little bit about you and what you've been up to? I mean, you were in practice for a number of years. Um, you right. retired from private practice, and you're doing just some really right. cool stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll just kind of let you take over from here and get an intro and let folks know a little bit about you, and, and um, then we can get to these topics we've got picked out for today and, and get, get into some deep meat. Yeah, I, you know, and I'll kind of start with – kind of the most current, which is the, the last couple of years because it's the most relevant. Uh, Jamie Amos with Ideal Practices, um, I think he contacted me the end of last summer, just, just an email, and then we started to chat. He was in my website, and he was looking. At the time, I had just left the university. I've been teaching at the University of Kentucky College of Dentistry since 2009. I was teaching practice management. And he looked at some of my stuff, and he said, you know, I kind of like what you're doing and what you're saying. Let's chat. And then we started doing podcasts and things kind of evolved to the event that where uh, I ran into you again in San Antonio, which was, I think that was the first time where they did a, uh, a live event of the Startup Blueprint practice. And then, so I'm going to be um, acting in a role of a clinical advisor for Ideal Practices, which is really, really cool because all of these expert individuals that are focused on the startup, because I've been doing this. A long time. I think that was one of the. I, I kind of wrote down some bullet points, some commonalities that you and I have uh -huh. over a long period of time, and the, and the one of them was, you know, we're just advocates for the independent practice of dentistry, and that's yeah. getting to be kind of a small space, and no one's out there speaking about it. So I'm I'm always attracted when I met Jamie and heard what he was doing. Um, I thought that was just immensely cool. And then what I what I heard what you were doing with the franchise and everything, I'm like, oh, I'm all over this. You know, this whole concept of, of helping the people because being in education, so I've been in total of, let's see, you know, five years here, and then I taught at Creighton a couple of years, really engaged with, with young dentists over a period of time. And, you know, they just, don't, they just don't know that they have any options anymore than the corporate model. You know, the schools do a really, really crummy job. I mean, they don't, they're, they're just they're a little bit apathetic 
about what's going on. They don't feel as if it's their responsibility to teach mm-hmm. about business or to prepare them for their, you know, and I think that's not one school in particular. I think that's the majority of the schools, which is very sad. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 challenges. Well, I mean, you've got you've got one big thing that keeps them all really stymied, which is the student loan debt. I mean, it's just gotten right. out of control. These colleges don't right. care about their overhead. They don't control their overhead. They don't care because they're getting federal money through these students who guarantee the federal money. And so, I mean, you just, you end up with this, you know, these kids walking out of dental school, four years of education, um, certified smart, but no way to, you know, no no business smarts to speak of, but great, you know, good clinical education, but no business smarts. So right. $400,000 worth of debt or, I mean, it's just yeah. retarded. It's ridiculous yeah. how, how saddled these kids are. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And, and the, best, the best way that I explain it to them is I tell them that their debt is 10 times my level, but their earning capacity is exactly the same. And that's, that's a very sad scenario, you know, wow. when, when the, and that's that's how I measure it. Okay, I look at my debt, what I made when I got out, their debt, and what they're making, and and that that's just uh, that's a very very big challenge for sure. Yeah, it's frightening. Um, so they have a license to earn money um, and a very good living, um, and they've also got this opportunity to, if they want to be business minded, they've got an opportunity to own multiple offices if they'd like, or some other crazy, you know, dental related business, which um, you know that's kind of where you and I come into play and. Right. Um, and it, the opportunity in dentistry is just tremendous. I mean, it's it's what you want to make of it, as, as far as I'm concerned. There's no I mean, question. When I got started, there was not, you know, business acumen did not exist. And and what is so special about what you're doing is because, you know, and I've had the corporate people come into my class, I mean, you know, and pitch, okay? And I understand their pitch and I understand the whole thing. And it's that, hey, you know, uh, you don't understand the business side. We'll take care of it. Come work for us, okay? Right. And what's so cool about what you're trying to create is that same level of expertise. You're saying the same thing, which is, hey, cool, I get it that you don't want to understand all this, you know, the bean counting, all the, the fine intricacies, but let me create a model where you can still be an owner, and I will assist you for a period of time under this model, and at the end of the day, you're going to end up being an owner. Now, that's what no one has done, and I'm always, always attracted to people. I love disruptive technology, and that's what you're attempting to do and, and, you know, and you're supportive of the ideal practices thing with your marketing expertise. This, this whole thing is, is so very cool to me because, like I told Jamie, I've done this for a long time on a very, very small scale, and, and now I see the potential. I think I saw it with the, with the first podcast with Jamie, is that I never really, I never really ever anticipated uh, the reach that, that I can personally have to affect people with this crazy little obsession with the dental business, you know, and, it, and it's like the passion that you have in, in your business. Um, it means a lot. And so when I was in San Antonio and I saw all those experts lined up, I was like, this is just so cool to, to see people, each person passionate in their own particular little niche. And I've always had a passion for the business side of dentistry. It's always been a comfort. I, I have that same uh, marketing DNA that you have. You know, it's just something that's Marketing is cool. It's just fun yeah. to, to create something out of nothing and make a customer is fun. Some people hate it. It's just in your DNA. So I've yeah, always I would, I would agree. Yeah, I and would then, agree. Um, and then I got off on this whole tangent of, of oral health um, about, this is about this time that I left the university a couple of years ago, and I've just absolutely thrown myself, you know, full, full bore into it because um, th- there is something – there's something to that that needs to be defined. I think there's I think there's additional opportunity for the young dentist. I think it can help propel. So what I'm always about is finding ways, um, and you and you're like this with your marketing. You're looking for new and innovative ways to support the young doctor to be an entrepreneur. I'm looking, okay. And and then I I saw this the way that this oral health thing has kind of unfolded in the past three or four years with the with the new diagnostics and and then the links. The links between the oral health um, and and you know the overall health are now the science is getting nailed down. And here's the last part of it. This is the part that's the coolest. The part is that the insurance company is like a hundred miles ahead of our profession, and the insurance companies are begging you to you know do more prevention because it's saving them cash. They don't really you know they're, they're motivated by money, and so right. the insurance companies. I'm talking on the medical side, not dental. The medical insurance side knows more 
than what the dentists do at this moment in time, which is fascinating. And they will pay for prevention, and very soon they're going to start paying for prevention. When they, uh, I may have told you in San Antonio that there's a new category in cardiac rehabilitation. When they put valdonine into that and the Cleveland Clinic tests go into intensive, it's not reimbursed right now, but when it is, this thing will just blow open, okay? Yeah. And then your dentists are going to line up to learn advanced prevention because right now um, they're reimbursing $7,500 in Kentucky for this uh, this rehab, which we, we talked about. And I was like, wow, that's amazing, okay? Yeah. They, they invest those kind of dollars in prevention, okay, on the medical side. Right. So that's exciting stuff, and it's going to happen, and it's just a matter of time. Ministries are very, as you know, you've been around enough. It's a really slow grinding, you know, it, it doesn't move very fast, and things kind of come and go, and we talked about that. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it, it's exciting for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, there's the economic opportunity, but there's also the opportunity for a dentist to be more integrated into the whole health care and, yes. and, and, and disease prevention uh, of individuals. Right. And right now they're kind of on the outskirts. I mean, the good news is, um, I've got a per- not not firsthand but secondhand experience with with um, uh, cardiac rehab. Uh, my best friend, business partner, um, went through. Uh, he's been through a series of operations, a number of different operations on his health. He's had or on his heart. He's had you know um, uh, heart valve replacements and um, he's, you know other other uh, things with his heart. Um, every single time, and this this goes to Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Heart Clinic. Um, Oregon Health Sciences University in, in Portland, which is where he has had all of his surgeries. At OHSU, they require any cardiac patient, any cardiac patient that is undergoing any surgery, they require before that surgery can take place, unless it's an emergency, right? Um, right. A, a cl- clearance from a from a dentist that states right. that, this, that the patient is disease free, that they do right. not have peri- periodontal disease. And right. that's the be- to me, that's the beginning. That's sort of the crack right there you that we it. need to you get our it. foot through the door. So, I mean, it, it's exciting to me because I, I see dentistry as this really incredible opportunity to be a, a pioneering in the frontline disease prevention and, and re-care. You know, in other words, getting people re-healthy again. So, that's really it. cool stuff. You got it. I mean, it's in a snapshot, you, you have it. Exactly. Now, the thing that you need to know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off track here just a second, but I've got to tell you something I really appreciate about you. The little tip on Brother Bill's letters, okay, because I, I take notes and I go home and I, I follow up. So I'm, I'm looking at Brother Bill's letters, and you just happen to mention in passing because I'm kind of a history buff. <laughs> Absolutely yes. blown. Just just blew my doors off. Okay? Isn't that amazing? No. So my comment is this, Jerry, and, and this is an observation I'm going to ask you a question. So is the amount of knowledge that's in the world, is it just finite and it just kind of keeps getting recycled? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can take any quote out of this thing from 1909 and just say, because I, I was reading some of it today, just just out of curiosity, I was like, this is this is incredible stuff. So so here's my sidebar. In the exact same period of time, from 1900 to 1920, I am been I've been studying. In fact, I I bought a uh, a book at Amazon from 1910 or whatever, and I sent it to Dr. Bale. And it was about the oral systemic connection. Charles Mayo, the founder of Mayo Clinic. Weston Price, okay, is someone that no one's ever heard about. These guys were on the oral systemic connection, 1910, 1915. They 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 were begging the dentists to get engaged in this process. I mean, in the in the early stages of the of the Mayo Clinic, they did dental exams on admission. Okay, yeah. That's how that's how much this knowledge has been there. So, I always say this is nothing new. There have been many attempts over time at various universities to have dual degrees, meaning, um, you know, DDS, MD, just because for whatever reason it was not defined, and those attempts always failed. So now the only dual degree is actually oral surgeons. Some programs are, are you know, a dual dental MD degree. Sure. So, so this concept is not new, but what is new now, and this is, and this is exactly what you just pinpointed, is that we've never had the ability to say, uh, are you free of, of, of gum disease? Okay, because my biggest complaint, and, you, and you'll see it in some of my writings, is that the difference between physicians and how they're trained and how we're trained are completely different. Dentists are constantly rendering opinions. Well, you know, the, you go to the physician, he'll say, your cholesterol is 200. 
period, stop. And you go to the dentist and he'll say, you've got a little bit of gum disease. Well, what the hell is a little bit of gum disease, okay? <laughs> you either so, have it or you don't. <laughs> you either have it or you don't. And so we, we haven't quantified it. And so that's why I, I, I created this course in advanced prevention because I want to show the dentist that you can quantify it. And the second we begin to quantify things and we start talking the same language as the physician, now we can communicate with the physician. Because I don't think physicians in general, you know, they're not going to have a super high opinion of us if we keep talking about a little bit of decay, a little bit of gum disease, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. We need to, we need to quantify it. And so, so this patient uh, that I'm seeing of Dr. Bales, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to preparing reports, and I'm going to have exact things to, to send back to him. So what I've learned in the past two years is this because I became a patient, went through the bail donating thing, is that I, when I saw my oral DNA, I knew, I was convinced that the oral contributes to the, to the whole, okay? I have a certain amount of genetic risk. He does genetic tests, and I wanted to take that off the table. Well, the only way for me to take that off the table is to, um, is to go through with the products and the home care and da-da-da-da-da and come out with a negative pathogen test, okay? And so what you had mentioned previously, when the physician says, are you, are you clear? There are not many dentists who are really are, are prepared to, to, to handle that question, meaning they're gonna, what they're going to do is they're going to probe and they're going to say, well, there aren't any pockets, okay? That has nothing to do with bacteria. And, you know, the, the gums are pink, okay? That, that's not clearance, okay? Clearance is, is some type of a microbiological exam that says high-risk pathogens are at an acceptable level, blah, 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 no spirochetes, no parasites, blah, blah, blah. All of these things can be quantified, okay? So that's what I'm doing right now in, in, in the office that I'm consulting in is I'm creating that protocol, and I'm seeing right now, I'm just seeing medically compromised patients and doing the, the micro-exams and then creating the, the home care and the, and the protocol um, for that. And it's very, it's very cool because I have a completely different outlook on what I'm doing now than I did before thanks to getting involved with the oral systemic, American Academy of Oral Systemic Health, which is a group of about 50% physicians and 50% dentists who are really interested in sharing information about what this connection is all about. Because it's it's real, it's very compelling. Right. Well, in, in your earlier your earlier question about um, is is the amount of knowledge finite? <clears throat> um, I don't know. I don't think it is. I mean, if we look at just the advances in technology, I don't think the amount of knowledge is finite. But I do think in some categories, um, if you look at business, for example, right. um, there's always some geek that's trying to reinvent management. But right. There are fundamental principles of management that never fail that have been proven for hundreds of years through right. whether it's through a management of a tribe, you know, back way back, you know, 500 or 1,000 years ago, um, or it's through management of a group of people in a, you know, in a homeowners association, in a, you know, in a dental office, you name it. There are fundamental business management principles that never fail. So I think in some categories there are limits on the amount of knowledge that can be gained, even though you always have some, you know, geeky MBA student who thinks he's created something new, or you get right. the, the retards running Facebook and Google that think that it's good to have, you know, a place for your people to nap and you basically you know, <laughs> do their laundry during the day. That's a bunch of right. BS. Um, right. You know, in my opinion, in my world, that's just crap. Sure. Um, you know, it's just ridiculous. But um, there are principles that don't change. So I think when you look at um, practice management, you brought up Brother Bill, which for those of you listening, if you have never heard of Brother Bill, and I doubt fewer than one, I bet less than 1% wow. on listening to this audio have ever heard of it. Go to, go to Amazon, type in Brother Bill's Letters, B-R-O-T-H-E-R, Brother Bill, Brother Bill's letters, and you'll be able to pick up, if you're lucky, an old copy. Um, I've got all original copies of all of that stuff. And when I first read that, I was like, "Holy crap! This is like reading a uh, this is like reading a 1980s, a 1990s, or a you know 2000 and something trade journal article on practice management. I mean, it's the same Correct. crap. I mean, nothing right. new, right? And it was just no, like it, it blew me away. Well, and, that, and that's what I meant. That was my comment. Is that Maybe not so much in science, but in practice management. And I'll give you a perfect example. And, and this is not to be, you know, disrespectful to Tony Robbins, but you know, his stick from the very start. If you go back to Napoleon Hill 
and you go back to the real, real giants in business, okay, and you look at the principles, uh, uh, Napoleon Hill and uh, yeah, success okay. secret that never fails. I mean, you go yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. There's so nothing new there. It, it's always been just kind of recaps, reencapsulated and, and presented in different manners, but it, it is kind of finite, okay? Yeah. And and so so I always kind of look to the, the foundational principles, but I'm looking at this brother Bill deal, and the deal that I read today was about uh, presenting a presenting a, a fee. Uh, a, I love uh, that part. Yeah. <laughs> and, and don't 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 show hesitation or fear about charging because it's worth it. And I was just looking at like, damn, I, I would quote that tomorrow. Okay. Because yeah. How many how many doctors have trouble presenting presenting fees? Once again, I'm getting off topic. Doctors don't present fees; they delegate to some treatment coordinator. Now, my personal opinion, and in my practice, it's disrespectful. I'll I'll talk. It's an honor for me to make the money I make. I'll talk about it all day. This is what this costs. Okay. I think I think you should be able to, you know, people have different styles. We talked about style. Well, a strong never, personality, a doctor with a strong personality ha, should have no problem. I mean, he should be able to say, hey, you know, and, and by the way, I mean, you should have the confidence to double your fees. Uh, you know, it, it, what I mean by that is if the if the treatment protocol, let's say it's $1,000 for a crown, right, just to make the right. math easy, you should be able to say confidently with a straight face in front of that patient, you know, this tooth needs a crown. You either crown it or we, or we lose it and we pull it. I mean, that's, that's your right. option. And then we're looking at an implant, another crown on top of that. So it's either a couple thousand bucks or it's right. five grand, your choice. Right. Well, I mean, if you can't say a couple grand and be proud of the couple thousand dollars, maybe you shouldn't even be right. charging a thousand, right? Right. I mean, no. it, it's value, right? You're selling value, right. lifelong solution. So right. be proud of it. So what, so what was killing me when I was reading this today was that so this big aha moment in, in this article was about so he went back and he had calculated that he wanted to make uh, two dollars an hour in clinical production and mm-hmm. that was that was the goal and I was like wow two dollars an hour that's just <laughs> and, at the, and at the end of the year he had in his savings account fifteen hundred dollars I mean I'm just falling off the chair I'm just like this is incredible okay yeah. so you know project that out times a thousand and that's what we're doing today when you have you know treatment goals hourly goals daily goals weekly goals it's the same principle, man. Pick the it number, is. reverse yep. engineer, pick pick whatever number, figure out how to do it, reverse engineer it, and have the confidence and 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 don't hesitate. This is what it is. And then, you know, you were you were talking to me about uh we were gonna talk a little bit about teams and building teams today. Boy do, do people struggle with all the issues with teams. I mean I just I just see that as being so so chronic. And when you talk about multiple locations and scaling something, you know, I, I think the hard part about scaling dentistry, because dentistry really doesn't have a lot of moving parts, when, I mean, when you think about it. Um, but, boy, the people part, scaling that is, it's difficult, as you, as you probably well know. Yeah, it's a big challenge. Um, before we move into that, I want to, just one more comment about Brother Bill. There's a chapter in there about increasing your fees, and that was probably one of my favorites. Um, it, it, you know, he basically tells the guy that's writing to him, uh, Brother Bill says, you know, and by the way, Brother Bill, we believe his name is George Wood Clapp. We believe that's his name. Um, it's okay. never really clear in the books, but we think that's his name. Um, so uh, uh, Brother Bill basically says to the guy, you know, you, it's t- at some point you're going to need to raise your fees, and probably sooner rather than later because we all underestimate, you know, uh, how much uh, overhead goes up every year. I mean, he kind of goes through the same things I talk to my members about. And and then he says, by the way, you should be proud to raise your fees. And here's how I recommend you announce that your fees have increased. And so he's got a sample of a newspaper ad from like 1909. Wow. You know, Dr. Stephen Smith is proud to announce that he's increased his fees. You know, and, wow. and a, you know, a new patient exam is now this much. A pair of you know wooden teeth are this much. I mean, it was just hilarious. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just love it. But um, yeah. Well, yeah, let's get to let's get to some of these. Um, uh, larger issues, some that, um, you know, doctors that are growing their business, they're not stuck in a, in a, um, a small office solo practice model. They're thinking bigger in a, and maybe even multiple associates or one other associate besides themselves, whatever it is. Um, there, there are challenges, and I identified three just in the okay. last couple of phone calls I've had with, with doctors. There's three big challenges I found. One is inconsistency with staff. Um, in other words, there's trouble getting everybody on the same page when they hire them, when they are training them, and then there's a communication problem. 
You know, women yeah. typically have a hard time communicating. So do men. Uh, we all have a hard time communicating. It's like the biggest problem that creates problems is lack of understanding what somebody means and what they're saying. And then there's then there's this no consistency in brand or culture. So a doctor doesn't really has never really sat down and defined what his brand is or or, or what kind of culture he wants to create. And then that Correct. third one is you know. Um, how how do I grow? How do I expand? And and how do I address those first two challenges as I grow? So um, let's let's start with that inconsistency with staff. You know communications and you know when you hire new staff. What are some of the ways you've found in your experience to be effective in handling that challenge? Okay, beautiful question, and, it, and it's so germane to today because actually um, one of my projects on my desk right now for ideal practices is is we're, we're working on the, the continuity training, so I'm working with uh, Michelle Kraft and, and Jamie to kind of construct that, these, this exact operations model, and so it's extremely relevant, okay? So one of the things is, is personnel. And um, let's talk about hiring for a second, because I have a little bit different twist on hiring, and, and, and these are things that I've done personally. But when you talk about scaling, scaling a business requires you know, use a sports uh, analogy, a franchise players. You know, you, you can't have, like, average folks. You have to have key people, especially when you go to a second and third location, okay? And, and here's my philosophy. This is, I'm outside the box, kind of like you are. Uh, proactive, proactively. I, I see, I have hired people, I would say maybe 50% of the people who have worked for me, I have found in public, observed them interacting with people, and just walked up to him and said, you know what, here's my card. If you would ever consider talking to me about working, uh, I'd like to visit with you, okay? <clears throat> the reason I brought this up, and, and this is not an everyday occurrence, but it happened yesterday. And I was in a bank doing something, and there was a teller there. And I, I'm going to tell you something. I was, I was just, I was knocked out at every part of, of the way she was interacting with everybody, with their fellow employees, with everybody that drove up, you know, because that's kind of a mundane job. That's a perfect example of someone that I would think was a candidate because they're not super highly paid, okay? Mm -hmm. that, that's a person that you could afford to hire and make them your office manager. They would be flattered if you would approach them, that type of thing. But so I'm, I'm talking about first you have to know what you're looking for, and, and maybe, maybe I might be making a little bit too much of a leap because I've got experience and you've got experience. You, you, you know it when you see it. Okay, you could you could see it at Applebee's, you could see it at the bank, but but I'm talking about if you you if you put an ad in Craigslist or whatever the the variety out there to to create this team that you're going to need to scale, it's going to be pretty hard to do. I, I just think you're going to I think you're going to interview a lot of people. Okay. Does that does that make sense? I mean, am I? Is oh that yeah, hundred percent. I I mean, I look for people that are employed, um, and I look for people that are standouts at what they're doing, that just have yeah. that they have a, a a desire that they cannot hide. Exactly. For greatness, I mean, they really exactly. they really shine, and and they're easy to spot. I mean, once you see one, Correct. they're easy to spot. Correct. And, and I don't think you have to be staffed top to bottom, okay? But when we're talking about you know you're talking about specifically today, you know having more than one location, you, you have to have a key person in each location. You can't because you cannot, you can never get in a situation where you're babysitting another practice, okay, from right. top to bottom. And I think that's where dentists, when they kind of step out there, the dentists that do have problems on, on the personnel side, I don't think they respect how important the staffing is. And, and, and I visited with you a little bit about you know, my hygiene department and, you know, what I think about hygienists, I, I just think they're at the, at the highest, highest level, okay? I think you train the hell out of them, you pay the hell out of them, and just get out of their way, okay? And they're not, and they're not a lot of dentists who, who think that, okay? Because they don't, they're, they're not knowledgeable. But you could, take, you could take almost any person in your office and, and, you know, your office manager, okay? So... That, that's kind of what's happened in the past couple of days because I've actually been thinking a lot about this in relation to what I'm going to talk to Jamie about, plus the fact that this person yesterday, and like I said, it, it happens about once every six months. You know, it might be the grocery store, it might be somewhere else. 
but the key thing is I, I've never heard anybody, you know, come out and say, listen, be proactive. This is not a passive deal where, you know, you, where, where, you know, people are going to come in to you. First off, people are out looking for jobs. There can be a whole variety of reasons as to why, and I have personal philosophies on experience versus non-experience, and I don't know if you want to go there, but I don't think experience is a big deal, Okay. I, I'm looking for people skills, not experience. And I don't know how much of your audience is um, younger dentists, because that's that's been my focus for over a long period of time. But I, but and now that my focus is the young entrepreneurial dentist, if you're an associate now and you're going into ownership, you know there's some little quirks there that you need to be careful with with employees, because as an associate, you are more than likely in a friendly relationship, you, you know, you may not have been a friend with the doc, but you were probably a friend with your assistant, okay? Right. Meaning you were looking upon them as a friend. Well, then you get in an ownership position, you know, that's really, you can't you can't do that because then that gets back to the vision, the brand, everything. You you, you can't because you're, you're hanging out with your friends, okay? Right. You don't have that respect. And I see that happening, happening specifically with with women, okay. Uh, the, the women that struggle with ownership have women around them that they befriend, and I, I, I there has to be a line there. I mean, that's my opinion, okay. Yep. No, there. It's not an opinion. It's one. It's a proven fact. And so my challenge would be, if anybody doesn't believe me, just be friends and go hang out and drink beer and go hang out yeah. on the weekends with your staff. Yeah. See how well that works out for you. That's not um, team building. See, that's one of the misconceptions. You know, people. We throw a lot a lot of words around, you know, phrases around team building. And, and that's, that's just not, that's not what team building is. And that's what happens when you're young and inexperienced and you don't know exactly what that means. Okay. That's exactly. Yeah. So give me a good example for a young doc and, and a doc in a mature practice, a mature doc. Um, give me a, give us a couple of good examples for those two different scenarios of team building. So if I were to, if I were to hire Tom Larkin and say, Tom, uh, we need to do some team building because our culture sucks, or we have no culture, or the culture right. that we have is caustic, it's cancerous, um, what can we do, Tom? What, what would you advise? Okay. There, there are many – okay, that's a, that is such a tremendous question. Um, okay, I, I'm going to go in a couple of different directions here um, on purpose. Because I'm, I'm thinking on my feet here, um, it's important, and, th- and this I, I keep referring back to ideal practices, but it's important that you communicate what the hell it is you think your vision of your practice is. Okay, they're, they're, and, and it's just so foundational. So here's the problem: most doctors, the, the people that are around them, whether whether you have a morning huddle, a weekly, a monthly, the longer the time you go without informally sitting down and chatting with your people, the more problems you're going to have, okay? That, that's a proven fact. But what, what, I, what I want people to know is what, what my desire for my practice is and what my expectations are, okay? Those two things, desires and expectations, okay? So I'm going to go back and let's just talk about Dale Donine as an example, Okay. So I don't have a private practice now, but if I did, <clears throat> so I come back and I say, uh, you know, we have a, a team meeting. I said, you know, I, I went to a deal this weekend that, that really impressed me. And it, it impressed me to the point where I'm going to go get some additional training, and I'm also going to become a patient of this doctor. Okay, so what I'm telling people is that I'm vested in my vision for my practice. My practice has a new vision, and I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to focus on total health, okay? And so this scenario that I'm, that I'm paying to you, Jerry, is, is kind of, you know, it's, it's just a fictitious scenario, but I'm just telling sure. you how, how it works. And so, and so they know that it's not a flip deal. I just didn't, I didn't go to, you know, they hate it when you come back on Monday and go to a seminar. They oh, know yeah. I'm vested in it. I'm vested in it because I took additional training. I'm vested in it because I went to this guy as a doctor and said, you know, I, I, I'm trusting my life in your hands as far as prevention, okay? Then then I come back and I say, you know, this is what Dr. Bale's doing and, and this is what I see what we can do 
to really affect people at a greater level. Okay, so when I first went to the very first AOSH meeting, I purposely, purposely sought out the hygienist. I didn't want to meet any doctors. I wanted to meet the hygienist. I said, tell me, tell me what this is about. Tell me da 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 da. And so the stories that, to me, that was the most compelling because they're the ones that are actually doing a lot of the prevention. And, 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 and so a very consistent story was, you know, Dr. Larkin, before I got involved in this, you know, I just thought that I polished teeth for a living and I didn't understand that I really had an impact on a, on a person's overall health. And now I really realize that I'm doing something for a higher purpose. Okay, so that's a hygienist telling me. So I go to another hygienist, you know, and that was a pretty consistent story. And I'm like, well, that is very cool, okay? So as a, as, a, as a leader with a vision, if I'm communicating that to, to people, and some people do it easier than others, you know, you do it, you're a natural, I'm kind of a natural, I have never, ever tried, I've never tried to be a leader, and I've been president of every organization I've ever been in, okay, so I've <laughs> never, I've never sought it out, okay, I've been president of the school board, church council, blah, 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 down the line, foreman of the jury, I, you know, so I, it, that's a difficult question from the standpoint of some people have gifts, okay, and, and they get it and they communicate it, but that's the part that dentists have trouble with, okay. So here's, here's the first thing that I would tell you. As a young dentist old dentist, do not underestimate anyone's, you know, regardless of their age, but let's, let's say they're a younger auxiliary person in your office. Never underestimate their intelligence. Do not, they have instincts. They know when you come back if you're in it for the buck or if you're in it for the good, okay? They, they sense it. You may not know that, okay? So when you come back and say, you know, we're, we're selling this now, go sell this. You know, you start telling the hygienist to go sell a toothbrush or whatever. Right. And, and, and they, they viscerally understand that you want to make some extra money, Okay. That's leadership, okay? I, I know I'm very, I'm, I know I'm going kind of my talking in circles, but I'm, I'm saying is that's, that's team building, okay? That's, that, creates, that creates unity when they understand who you are. See, the problem with, the problem I think that most doctors have is they don't even know who the hell they are, okay? So, so what are they communicating, okay? Their offices are chaotic because they don't know who they are. So if, if, you're, if you have a focus, of where you want to go, and you have a clear vision. And that's why Jamie's process is very impressive, is because he takes an intense amount of time to walk you through the process to sharpen that lens. And, and, and when you see it, you're going you're gonna to get there, okay? And then that's an integral part of communicating that to the team and then having the ability to recognize who's on board and who's off board because you, well, you know as well as I do, you can have ten people, and you have one that's not on board, and it's it's just a cancer, and it can it can ruin the other nine. Okay. Yeah. No question. So kind of so if I were to summarize this, it's basically it, it's it's what you project upon leadership. Lead, uh, a component of leadership is what you project upon your staff. Um, yeah. Your va- your core values. So if exactly. you're all about the money, you're right. you're going to eventually either have a staff that hates you because they're not yeah. about the money or you're going to right. have a staff that is just like you that's all about the money, which right. has its own challenges because that will come through on your patients and you will, you know, you will get flash, you will get some um, <laughs> negative feedback from that. So right. it's really about your, your core beliefs that get extended into or, or portrayed through or pushed out through um, a vision and, and, and behaviors. So being a leader has a lot to do with our behaviors, and sharing that vision that we have is done through action and intention yes. and verbiage. But more action probably than anything else. Would you agree? Absolutely. That's, that's it. Yeah. So it's the, it's the kid looking at his parents. You know, the mom and dad are saying, you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't smoke. As dad takes a puff on a cigarette, mom fires up the crack pipe, and, right. you know, dad's, dad's reaching for a fifth of Jack Daniels. So, um right. You know, the kid sees it, but he's hearing a different message. I mean, you go with what you see. You don't right. oftentimes go with what you hear. So, and, and, that's, um, and, and that's what I'm emphasizing is that that, you know, that 23 or 24-year-old auxiliary, whether she's an assistant or whatever, you may dismiss her, her 
ability to, to sense that, trust me, they sense that. Okay, it, it, it doesn't. You know, you don't have to be an older, wise person to to know that. Even even somebody at that age can can, can feel what you're about. And so, to me, that that's the most difficult issue. So, if you think team building, and, and once again, because I think with all the, you and I had talked about marketing. We talked about marketing a lot because we both love marketing, and we talked about the amount of really bad marketing solutions that are that dentists are getting just inundated with, just yeah. crap. And, yeah. and I, I think this team thing is a perfect example. You know, let's go have a pizza and beer and have just no conversation about anything, values and nothing, and they and then and then they go back Monday and they got the same damn problems. Nothing nothing was accomplished. You know, they just had some pizza and some beer. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, so doing something—it's it, really a value proposition, you know. And, and and it's the same thing that we're talking about to be effective with your patients. We're talking about relationships and connections, um, having having a relationship. And and the problem the problem with dentistry is that it's uh, it's such a solitary such a solitary profession. And that's why you know Howard Friend had the genius of saying. You know, you'll never practice alone again. I'm going to create this community, and next thing you know, you've got a jillion dentists signed up. who are now, we now have friends. You know, they can make friends online and stuff. That was that was a stroke of genius because that was the problem in dentistry. Is that was a, a very solitary. So what happens when when you're practicing solo is that you know you tend to get a little self-absorbed and you don't really care. Your assistant has the same set of problems at home, you know, that you may have, but you don't you don't care. You know, and right. I feel it. So, right. so those yeah. are all those are all the issues. Well, I'll give a, I'll give an example for any office, um, a, a great example of team building for any office, and and it's um, participating in your community as a team, as a business. Yes. So, uh, for example, a few months back, um, myself, which I'm I'm not a public fixture for my dental office. I mean, no one in Salem except for friends, you know, that have asked know that I'm in, that I own a dental office. And and so my participate, I look like I'm the doctor, or I look not usually. <laughs> um, I look like I'm like a husband of one of the people that work there, or I'm you know, or maybe I'm the office manager or something. But I don't re- I don't really fit in. I mean, I kind of stand out. Um, a because I'm male, um, and everybody else is female. So we did a um, we did a uh, Alzheimer's uh, walk. We sponsored a booth at an Alzheimer's walk, and we were you know the, there were four of three or four of us there. Now, to me, that entire day was team building because we right. were participating in something that had nothing to do with dentistry, that right. had everything to do with something something up for a great cause. And it right. fit our our values, our mission. I mean, you know, we want to help people in our community. We want, to, we want to be part of a cause like, you know, Alzheimer's awareness and helping solve that, you know, solve that disease. Um, and, and so to me, that was a phenomenal team building exercise. Um, you, you're out of the office, you're in a different environment, and you really see a different side of people in that type of situation. So yeah. um, skip the pizza and beer. Pizza's fine, right. you know, if it's in the pro- proper context, but skip, right. you know, skip the drinking and partying, and, and if you want a team build, you do things like that. Um, right. You know, and, and another great team building that's, that any dentist can do with zero, for zero cost is say, hey, once a month we're going we're gonna to sit um, for an hour and we're not going to talk about anything but growth ideas for the practice. So there's no, there's no bitching, whining, moaning, or complaining, but we're going to sit here and we're going to listen to every single idea that you guys have, and then we're going to write them down, we're going to prioritize them, and then together we are going to execute them. That's a great that's, team building exercise. That, that, is, that is so awesome because what you're, what you're allowing, first off, you know, one of the communication skills, people need to be heard, okay? They, they, patients like to be heard, but even employees want to be heard, and some of them have very good ideas. Some of them see things that you can't see because you're, you're so tunnel-visioned on, on your little world. And, and by acknowledging that, you know, in, in particular in the format that you talk about, you know, it's outstanding. Because, and then there's also ownership in that because if they bring you a solution to something that you didn't even know it was a problem, and mm-hmm. um, then they're vested in it. Then they're vested in the solution, okay? When you say, yep. you know, I didn't know that, but now that you tell me that, we need to, we need to address that, and, you know, will you, will you be sure that that, you know, put in the system and say, you know, would you be accountable for that, blah, 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 
and take care of that going forward. And now, and now they're invested because that's what you want. And, you know, that's what you're trying to strive for. Is you're trying to yeah. get them invested in the process. Yep. That's a that's an outstanding way to do it. Yeah, and when you get that buy-in, they own it. It's just it's no different. I mean, the dynamic is the same dynamic that 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 exists when you've got a patient in the chair. When you right. when you are able to get that patient to own their problem, what do they want to do? Right. They want right. to solve their problem, right? Right. No patient wants to leave there with periodontal disease. You know, Mary, 50% of the heart attacks is right here's a website. This is not my numbers. These are this right. is a credible physician. He's saying 50% of heart attacks are caused by periodontal disease. Not that they're related, not that there's just a cause, not that there's just, oh, look, you know, somebody that has a heart attack also has periodontal disease. No, periodontal disease is causing 50% of the heart attacks. If we can catch your periodontal disease and get it reversed, your odds of not having a heart attack go through the roof. Now, which do you want to do? Well, is Mary going to sit for the SRPs and become a regular regular paramaintenance patient, or is she going to leave? I mean, if she buys her problem and owns it, it's a no-brainer. Correct. So, um, good good stuff. I mean, holy smokes, we've got about 15 minutes left. Um, okay. So let's bad. talk about let's talk about consistent brand and and culture. So one sort of plays off the other. You've got to have you know you've got to have a, a solid culture um, that you believe in, that your team believes in, in order to really grow your brand and expand your brand into you know areas where it, it maybe has never been before. So Correct. let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. I'll let you yeah. go first. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's um and, and once again I'll just I'll let's pull something out of thin air and let's just say that you want to be the, the total health practice and, and, and the brand. Did you want to talk about you know, I, well, I let's talk about, about Wellness Springs because, I mean, for me, one of the reasons why we, why we chose that name, and I worked literally a year um, on, on choosing that name for our franchise, we did it. I mean, one of the big reasons was it really stands for where I think the future of dentistry is going, this total wellness, which you mentioned earlier. So, right. I mean, you know, we're, we're creating a national brand. There's no question. It's going to be the single biggest national brand that's related to dentistry. I remember when you told me that, I was just like instantaneously – Loved it, okay? Um, and, and as you know, I've got a lot of experience in branding and stuff, and, and I'm either, you know, I could be hot, cold in between, and I loved it, okay? And and when you told me the reason why, I was like, wow, he gets it, okay? You understand, I, I explained to you the story about, you know, Henry Schein four or five years ago making a huge commitment to this concept of total health. Now, right, right. What, what, what they're attempting, you know, they know they know that what's up there in the future, and obviously you know the trend in in wellness. You know that 30% of of the entire population would consider themselves green, and they recycle, and those are the same people that would be receptive to wellness solutions. And yeah. we're also the other reason that the, the timing of this is so perfect is that because of the changes in healthcare. Love them or hate them. Most most of us hate them, uh, but we're most we're vested in the process now. Shit, we got to go pick our plan. We got to go pick our deductible. We've never been vested, okay? So, right. kind of an unintentional consequence is that people are saying, shit, you know, if I take care of myself, I can save money, okay? With right. prevention, and, right? And so, so there are a lot of very obscure things lining up, which which are are very positive for that particular reason. So um, to pick that name as a brand is perfect. I couldn't think of a better name. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and like I was saying um, uh, before we, before, before we dropped you there, um, I, I truly believe that wellness Springs dental is going to be the single largest oral healthcare brand in the world. I have no doubt in my mind um, because of what we're going to do, what our long range 15, 20-year plans are. I mean, we're a brand-new company, but I literally have 15-year, 20-year plans for what this is going to evolve into, um, all, all primarily done while preserving solo practice for the guys that want to be yeah. solo. For the guys that want to have 15 locations, 20 locations, fantastic. Um, right. but, I, but we're going to preserve that family atmosphere in every single location, whether we have one or 500 or 5,000. To right. me, when a patient walks into, we call them guests, by the way, and it all starts with, with, with retraining team members 
uh, about roles. Who, why are we there? Why are we in a dental office? Um, right. And why do we call them patients? Um, they're really a customer. Um, I prefer the term guest. I mean, because really, aren't they right. a guest at our business, right? And what, how do we treat guests? We treat them with all the respect in the world. And, and so we're really, we're, we're really going back to the old Vince Lombardi initial training of, of, of first day of football practices. This is a football. And we're retraining our, our franchisees and their teams to understand this, this, this care concept and the whole wellness concept. And, and Tom, I think, I, I mean, I, I know that this is going to revolutionize the way, um, the way people in general, the way the public sees dentistry. And we're going to be right out there on the leading edge of it. And, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So when we talk about brand um, <clears throat> and we talk about culture, uh, it, it starts with, you know, really defining, in my opinion, it starts with defining what do we stand for and Correct. how do we communicate those values uh, that make us up. And, 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 and that becomes your culture. Is that is that sort of how you see it as well, or, or yeah, exactly. tell me if you see it differently? Because I I love no, to know. It's exactly in, in in my presentation. You know, I, I was going through the technical part of like naming a practice, and and believe me, you know what you've done is really the difficult part. Okay, you you, you first you've identified a stellar name, you have a, a logo that corresponds with it, and and now the rest of it can flow. But you would be surprised. And, and, and you told me that, you know, you spent a year getting the name. I, I, I totally, totally respect that struggle because the name is so important to the vision, okay, because you're already 20 years out. You see what this is going to be like in 20 years, but you had to have the name, the brand, and the logo. Those are the, those are the beginning elements to say, okay, now I got it. Now I can just punch this thing through, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I, think that, I think those are – I think you've accomplished – some really significant hurdles already, okay? And and I think from there, it's it's a matter of the culture reflects um, what the definition of total health or complete health, whatever word you want to use, you, you define that and you create the culture around it. You know, I, yeah. I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, well, We've probably got time for the last one. Um, we we do, in fact. Um, so let's let's talk about growth because um, the doctors that uh, the doctors that I talk to uh, on a very regular basis, and usually my Wednesday, my every Wednesday of the week I have is chock full of one phone appointment after another. It's the only day of the week I do my phone calls, and so it's 30 minute slots, and you know as many calls as I can get in uh, between daylight and dusk. So. Um, the number of doctors that I talk to, they understand that right now solo practice is at a crossroads. Either you redefine the way you're practicing as a solo practitioner or you're going to get chewed up and swallowed and swallowed and spit out. Um, there's just no two ways about it, and anybody that denies that's happening really has their head in the sand. Um, 60%, fewer than 60% of licensed dentists in the United States are now solo. That was, I think, seven, eight years ago. It was over 70. So we've had a massive reduction in, in a short period of time. And that, that reduction is going to continue. Now, it'll reach a point where it won't drop below. But who knows right. what that number is? I mean, it'll reach a point where it'll sort of steady out. And that might be – it might be 40%. It might be 50%. It might be 30 right. I mean, we won't know until we get there. But right. <clears throat> for those docs that are understanding what's happening and they, and they understand that, you know, in order for me to make more than a quarter of a million a year – uh, if I have a desire to make a million a year or ten million a year, whatever that number is, and I'm and I want to grow my practice, and I'm not happy with twenty percent a year growth, I want a hundred percent or I want five hundred percent a year or whatever the number is. They understand that multiple locations uh, of of full service practices is really one of the ways to get there. So. Uh, I'm talking to more and more guys that, you know, they have one practice and they're looking to buy or they're looking to open from scratch, a second, third, fourth. I talked to a a non-dentist. He's running the business. His wife is the the dentist. She's doing the the dentistry side of things. Um, They have 10 offices in Dallas. And, I mean, he's sitting there going, great, but, you know, love the 10 offices, love the income, but we have these challenges. We have challenges of getting everybody on the same page we have like run it's like we're running 10 different companies instead of one and right. that's a struggle that that any doctor that goes beyond one office is going to face so Correct. the challenge becomes how how do we grow and expand so that we keep a consistent culture uh and so that uh, so that we have consistent communications 
um, policies and procedures and systems with staff, uh, and then everything else that goes along with multiple locations. You know, making sure the DA in the north office could tomorrow, if, if told to, go to the south office and see everything laid out the same, the systems are the same, the processes are the same, everybody's doing the same thing. Now, maybe the doctor there doesn't do root canals, so what? But the trays are set up the same, the patients right. are greeted the same, they're all given the same tour. I mean, it's just like a punk. It's like it's, it's like McDonald's. You know, yeah. I mean, the easiest way to put it. So, how do they get to that point? How how do they go from one to two or one to many, and how do they replicate that? I mean, and I know that we're asking for an answer in you know like five minutes, but um, right. Where where would you start? Okay. For the first thing I want to do is I want to comment on on your earlier statements on the on the corporate on the corporate throat, and you're one of the first persons that I've heard address the vulnerabilities of the corporate model, because that, I touched on that a little bit in San Antonio, but I hadn't heard anybody, you, you talk about that a lot, I think it's super, super important to recognize the fact that this is just not some monster that's out there just swallowing. This, this model, certain portions of this model have significant problems, and, and the more intimately you understand their model, you're going to understand they have vulnerabilities. You and I talked yeah. about phone protocol, um, talk about turnover, turnover of doctors, turnover of staff, okay? So so in creating this model, I want to know what my competition, my, you know, if this is the, the big gorilla in town, I want to know what they're doing, what they're doing wrong so that I can do that correctly, okay? So that's mm -hmm. first and foremost. And, and so, um, but I think you've really hit on going from the one to the two is, is the systems, okay, consistent systems. You know, I learned about that a jillion years ago. I can remember Howard Ferran talking about Southwest Airlines, and this is when Southwest Airlines was in its infancy. Well, they only flew one plane, okay, mm -hmm. and, and there was such an economy and scale because they just had one plane with maintenance, okay, and they didn't have, you know, they had the same, same set of wrenches, and, and you knew where everything was, and that's why the operatories are set up correctly, and, uh, in a similar fashion, and doctors are notorious for having, you know, I, I do this in room two, I do this in room three, okay? If you're going to scale, you're going to need a whole different philosophy, a whole other set of eyes, and, and everything needs to be uniform and, and transferable, okay, if that if that makes any sense. Is that, is that Yeah, it makes starting? perfect sense. I love those, yeah. those two words are really important, universal and transferable. So, yeah. you know, and, and, I, and I'd add teachable. Um, and, and enforceable, but, right. but universal, transferable, teachable, and enforceable. If you yeah. if you lack any one of those four things, yeah. um, and by the way, I mean this is shooting from, straight from our seat of our pants here. This isn't something we've rehearsed, but you've got to have those four things if you if you yeah. wish to replicate and, and duplicate. Right. Um, you know the other the other interesting thing is when you go from one office to many, um, and I've had three offices. I have one now. I've had three. Um, I know, I, under, I understand, you know, the, the dynamics of multiple practices, um, and, I've got, and I've got a number of different unrelated companies that I'm responsible for running, too, so I understand that dynamic, um, and it's, you know, they all relate to dentistry, which is nice, but they're all completely different, but lacking that, if you go to replicate crap, you get crap, right. and so when I hear a doctor saying, I'm going to go buy another office, I'm thinking to myself, your people on the front lines are not even doing it right. Yes. So you're going to replicate garbage, and you're going exactly. to get more garbage and more stress. Well, yeah. you don't get two. You don't get two x garbage. You get garbage squared. Okay. Yes. It's, it's exponential. Okay. Yes. You don't get twice. It, it gets it gets nutso. Okay. Yeah. And and I and I I can't tell you the number of times I've seen that. So so I you know I think what you have told people about things being uniform. So you should be able to go from one office to the next. Let's say that an assistant had to go fill in across town, and the tray and tub system looks the same. It's in the same place. They can find it. because anything less than that causes stress and confusion, and stress and confusion ultimately is going to trickle back to the doctor. Where's the tray system, or you know, to the office manager? Okay, so so that would be my you know I'm I'm a super detail oriented person you can imagine, and you know I can. Those those are the things that need to be addressed in this whole thing with scale, because that's how McDonald's scales. Okay, that's how Burger King scales. You could probably walk into a 
um, most McDonald's are probably set up very, very similarly. Okay. Yep. 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 <clears throat> um, I, I, I often uh, tell the story about uh, a friend of mine who's, who's done doing very well in the coffee business, and uh, he's part of a franchise. He has you know 12 or 15 locations. Um, he's opening up three more simultaneously, and and this guy has like the lowest level of stress of anybody I know of. Wow. Um, and uh, each one That's just cool. does a tremendous volume. Like they make a dental practice look like child's play, which is really scary right. to think that coffee yeah. business would make more than a dental office, but that's the case. But, I mean, he literally, he, he can do this because of the systems that he's th- yeah. that are behind him. He makes one phone call to corporate. I want to open up in this area. Okay, great. We'll send you the paperwork, and we'll start the uh, we'll start the demographic research team on that and make sure the traffic counts are there and make sure this ingress, egress, and the blah, 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 blah. I mean, they've got a team that negotiates for the, you know, for the, for the, the landlord and the space. Um, if the if the franchisee doesn't want to do it, I mean, there's just this incredible amount of support, but it's 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 rote, it's by rote. He knows that process so well because it's the right. same, and right. he literally can take employees from one location a mile away and stuff them in any location that are ten miles away, and everything's going to be the same. I mean, that's right. just, that's just what they, and that's, they set it that's up. What, dentists are not trained, or they're not trained to think that way. Okay, right. they they don't. They you know somehow when they have their little individual success, they don't. They don't inherently understand that in order for to duplicate that, they need those kind of systems in place. They they just think they're going to go build another office, and 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 then and then they find out all the downside of it. So so you're you're spot on. I mean, the, what you're advising people to do, as far as you know, scaling and uniformity, and also as you roll out Wellness Springs, I mean, that's going to be a huge component of of what you're doing. The uniformity is going to make it easier for you too. Yes. Yep, for sure. Well, in, in in our goal, like I was telling one of one of my members today, I had a phone call with him um, about uh, he's coming to check out the franchise, coming to Discovery Day to learn more about it, and he said, "Well, how does this work if I want to open up a new office?" I said, uh, "The process starts with a simple phone call saying I'm ready to open another office, and here's where I'd like to go. What do you think?" <laughs> and from there, all of these all of these things start happening. It's like a trigger right. moment, right? So he right. decides, he gets his financing lined up, and, and we go to work. I mean, and, and there's an entire team that is going to be so ideal practices. Jamie and you come into play. So all, all the components that have been put together, that we've put together, the team, the entire team, goes to work. And this doctor then has literally a, a fraction of the stress he might otherwise have, having to assemble all of this on his own. Oh. Not to mention, when it comes time to onboard employees, what does he do with them? He sends all of his new employees to five days of training along with the doctor. That's it. Yeah. And then and then of course the training never ends from there. That's just the beginning. That's sort Correct. of like the initiation. But um but compare that to what he has to do on his own or she has to do on their own to open up a practice. Right. If they didn't have ideal practices, if they didn't have a franchise support, I mean to get a no, new office open without incident and the right. right location with the right people, I mean that is right. that's dang hard. It is really yeah. hard. And you can't yeah, do it while you're right. chairside 30 hours. Well, and that's why I'm so thrilled to be participating in this because this is this is a very unique service. You know, one of one of uh, one of my first meetings with Jamie, I said, you know, I, I see this being like a the process being a gold standard because I I really don't see anybody that has done this at this level of quality. I mean, everyone that I met in San Antonio was like so passionate and such an expert in their field. I was like, you can't miss when you assemble when you assemble individuals who each really, really are into what they're doing. I mean, that's a dream team. Um, that, that's the definition of a dream team. So, um, yeah. yeah, what you're doing is very special and and needs to be recognized from the standpoint of the, the this idea of being an advocate for the independent practice of dentistry. I, I just, you know, I, that's all I talk about with the young people. You know, you do have choices. It may seem, you know, you, you just need to pay attention, and it may not be tomorrow, maybe five years from now. But there, there are going to be alternative opportunities, and um, yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I really yeah. do. Well, there's 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 an exciting time in dentistry ahead for all of us. Um, there's literally no limit, uh, upward limit of what can be accomplished. Um, I'm excited to uh, work and know folks like you, uh, Tom, and and working with folks like Jamie and and his team at Ideal Practices. Um, we we've just got a great, a, 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 an incredible way for young and old doctors alike, young and mature, 
experienced right. and novice to achieve their dreams, uh, you know, preserving the integrity of private practice. Um, and if they want to maintain a solo uh, office, fantastic. And it, and it really doesn't matter. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's fun. I, I enjoy, I, I'm thrilled to be a part of the industry. Let's put it that way. So, well, Tom, any last minute um, parting words before we go? Any last minute uh, advice for our listeners um, before we wrap up? You know, if anyone wants to know specifically about the wellness thing, you know, because I haven't sent you the link yet, but um, it's the oralwellnesscenter.org forward slash course. That's my, I've, I've built an online course for anyone who wants to really, you know, drill deeper into what this is, going back to your comment about, um, you know, risk assessment for perio. And it, it is, I've had some really smart, smart people look at it. It's very inclusive in anything. And I, and I did it in the online format so that it's just more readily accessible, you know, yeah. you know, and so it's a, that's a starting point. And, and I look forward to, you know, sharing more information as, as your practices develop, because I think, I think some of my stuff will be a component of your stuff for sure. As I, you know, continue my relationship with Dr. Bale and, and, you know, just defining all those great, great things that are going on. Yeah. It's um, we've we've got some cool stuff coming, and it's an honor For to sure. be, be a part of uh, what you're doing there. And I'd encourage our listeners to check out um, Dr. Bale and 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 uh, his associate uh, nurse practitioner. Um, her last name is Don Donine, right? Donine, yeah. Um, they're based in and they're based in Portland, Oregon, which is you know half hour, 45 minutes away, hour away from me. Um, right. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I went on their website and read some fascinating stuff and what they're doing and and how they're looking at the integration of uh, dental care and, and peri, you know periodontal health and disease um, and, and you know and how that is affecting um, yeah. overall yeah. systemic and every, health. So, every physician that they train now they've trained hundreds, if not thousands, of physicians. You know, they have two preceptorships, two courses per per two or three per year. Every single physician has to have corresponding dentist who understands the, the protocol that, that I'm talking about has to, okay? They cannot practice without it because it's that big of a piece of the of the puzzle, of the inflammation puzzle, and, and that's what the dentist has wanted all along. He wanted to be recognized for his area of expertise in the mouth, and, yeah. and that's what they're doing, which I think is great. They're getting a lot of traction for sure. Yeah, phenomenal. Very cool. Well, Tom, um, pleasure having you with us today. Thank you very much. And if folks want to get a hold of you directly, um, can they go to your website, TomLarkin.com? Yeah. yeah, Tom at TomLarkin.com. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Um, hang on the line for me, um, and I'll wrap the call up. Everybody, thank you. Hey, Jerry Jones here. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the Jerry Jones Radio Show. You've reached the end of this segment. You can always listen in to the next show by visiting jerryjonesdirect.com forward slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or find the show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Jerry Jones. For more information about Jerry Jones Direct, go to jerryjonesdirect.com or give us a call, 503-339-6000. Our member ambassadors are standing by to assist you. And once again, thank you for listening to The Jerry Jones Radio Show.